Here's what's coming up on your horizon. With every great crisis comes a paradigm shift. From the small, when was the last time you greeted someone with a handshake, or even blew out the candles on a birthday cake, to the more significant of how we learn and how we work and how those changes are going to affect all of us for generations. Today we take a closer look at skills-based education at a time when physical distancing is still being practiced. I will tell you about a program called Skills to Rebuild and how it's changing lives for the better. And we'll end our day with some perspective on dealing with change amid the unknown. Stay with us for Career Tech's Horizon. Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by the Oklahoma Department of Career and Technology Education. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob McClendon. And I'm Blaine Singletary. We want to welcome you to this edition of Career Tech's Horizon. Whether it's learning online, in person, or maybe a combination of both, the goal in education remains the same. Gaining skills that will help you succeed in life and in the workplace. And nowhere is that more evident than a program that began this summer at Tri-County Technology Center in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. In the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and everything that came with it, Brittany Barnhart decided it was time for a change. I am a 30 years old, mom of three, 11, going to be five and going to be three. Um, I work at Pizza Hut at night and I started CNA for a career change. Going from food service to nursing may seem like a bit of a leap, but for Brittany, it made sense. In the past, she'd volunteered with a local company to help the mentally challenged, and helping people was always in her blood. I just always liked caring and taking care of people, and so the easiest way to do that is to serve people. However, she also needed to help herself, and her growing family too. When I realized that the pay doesn't change when it comes to restaurants, there's no, you can further yourself as a manager, but it's not a career choice. So my, all my children are getting older, everything's getting more expensive, so it's time for a career change. So the move up to nursing was in the cards. Then the pandemic happened, and in the age of distance learning and Zooming into classes, it may not have seemed like the best time for many people like Brittany to sign up. But Lindell Fields, CEO and superintendent of Tri-County Technology Center, says COVID-19 forced them to come up with a new solution. So a few years ago, we been, began to stand up what we call flex programs. The idea where an adult could come to school two nights a week and maybe one Saturday a month in lieu of our traditional six-hour-a-day, five-day-a-week programs. So adults need flexibility. And so we've had the programs in play, and they've been successful, but it was the pandemic that led to the idea to offer these programs at no cost. 
And so, in mid-July, after a $1 million CARES Act grant from the state was approved, Skills to Rebuild was born. You see, the programs are inexpensive, but uh, just a few hundred dollars might as well be the Great Wall of China. Uh, the difference between a student where they are and a student's success. So the monetary cost was taken care of, but the question remained as to whether that would be enough for people to venture out, away from quarantining and social distancing, to take advantage of this offer. Tasha Wyatt is Tri-County's Director of Marketing, and she remembers those early days of getting the word out. I came from the credit uh, credit union world before before here, and um, uh, you know, going from selling checking accounts and auto loans to selling um, life changing learning was easy. Now um, taking that to selling free life changing learning <laughs> makes my job a lot easier, <laughs> to be honest. Lindell came out and talked to the staff about the Skills to Rebuild initiative, kind of. Um, maybe a week or so before it actually launched, kind of talked a little bit about, to our whole entire organization about it. And then we pushed out a marketing fact sheet. We gave um, our educators, here's some social media talking points. Please, please be watching and, and helping us share this message. And they picked up on it. In the first 15 days, had more um, applications and interest than we did, than we do all year for our programs. We thought there'd be some buzz. We just didn't realize how big of a buzz that it would be. The needs of their prospective students were surprising, to say the least. But what might not be surprising were the needs of their community as a whole. Again, Lindell Fields. A lot of people have experienced layoffs, but there's still places that are hiring. And, and we know that healthcare, the health industry, needs people, lots of people. So we began to call... Uh, the businesses in our community, we learned uh, in just a couple of days there was a need for 260 CNAs. This COVID has just really put a lot of families and individuals in situations that they thought they could have never dreamt of being faced with. That's Tanya Foreman, Senior Director of Business Development at Tri-County. It's her job to determine what those local companies are looking for in those potential CNA hires. And so when you have an organization that is called to change lives through education, we, we have to con continually be one step ahead, whether it's the market predicting what our communities that we serve need. We have to figure that out even before they, they need it because we need to put plans in place and execute instructors and curriculum and that type of thing. So we will be their first choice, whether it's customized or individual training. They're called upon to stay a step ahead of an unpredictable situation, one that's played more of a personal role in Tanya's life. And it's the reason why we were having this conversation over the phone. You never think it's going to happen to you. That's the mindset. and. I have four children and, and all of them um, athletes. This particular situation, my son, who is 16, was around individuals that tested positive for COVID. You know, to no fault of his own, it's just being, when, when you're on a certain type of athletic team, you're, you're going to be exposed to those types of things. And so 
he's actually a student at Tri-County Tech as well, and we were supposed to start school on that Friday. And the mama in me said, no, you're not going. We're going to get you tested. The um, senior director of business development said, you're not stepping foot on that campus until you get a test. But first and foremost, his health was the most important. So out of the abundance of caution, I quarantined myself, my husband, and of course my son. Each one of us has to have that due diligence of it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can do for me and my family to stop feeding this monster of this COVID. Tanya has responsibility, not only to her own children, but to adults and to children of other parents too. And on top of all that is the mission they've always had at Tri-County. And that mission is providing another important thing we could all use right now. It was an olive branch of hope. It, it gave individuals hope where they didn't see what they were going to do. They were laid off. They didn't know if they would have a job when they went back. But it allowed them to dream a little bit of maybe and possibly doing something that they had always wanted to do or upgrade their skills based upon the current job that they're in. The Skills to Rebuild program is designed to get people to work very quickly. Schedules are flexible, but some students can go from start to finish in as little as 20 days. It gets them right there, so we plan to train 200, and as soon as they're done with our training, they, get, they go right to work. Some are actually in the nursing homes and are getting skilled up to get the certification, the certification they need. So uh, the front end of the program is a, a, lot of, a lot of theory, and then they get to the hands-on component, and then there's actually a testing component. So they're certified by the state. So it's a, it's a pretty rigorous test at the end. This ensures that not only are they very quickly trained, but they're also quality trained and ready for whatever lies ahead on the front lines battling this virus. For Brittany, these 20 days are only the beginning. I can almost guarantee it'll be more schooling, but hopefully I'll have a, the career behind it so I'm in the career as I'm doing the schooling. So it's hands-on and book work instead of just book work and just being in a classroom. Hopefully I, I can go to the place and I'll be working and then learning like, oh, I learned this in class yesterday and be able to perform it. So that's what I, that's what I see myself in five years. Tri-County Tech has been one of the reasons that I see myself pr pursuing my, my degree. I had uh, thought about online courses for college courses, but it just didn't seem like it would, it'd be enough hands-on for me to learn the way that I learn, which is book work plus hands-on. And so for here, I know I can be my best because I have both sets of training to continue my degree. And in some late-breaking info, Lindell Fields told us on Facebook that Skills to Rebuild is now on track to provide training for 581 individuals, and they're all set to graduate debt-free. Great story, Blaine, and am I right to think that I've heard skills to rebuild before? 
That's right, Rob, it was used in the past in a similar way, as a plan to train people with new skills to respond to a crisis. In that case, it was the tornadoes that struck the Moore and Norman area. So while today's response is centered around healthcare, getting nurses trained, that response was all about construction training. A much more literal use of the word. Exactly. Still to come, more from our conversation with Tri-County Tech Superintendent Lyndall Fields, and also some important advice on keeping our mental health in check during the pandemic. Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by Career Tech. Keep striving. Right now you're showing up for our state, for our community, doing what you can with your skills and strength for all of us in the halls of hospitals, in neighborhoods, on the road, across the state. You train for tomorrow and for today. And all of us at Oklahoma Career Tech thank you for putting your skills into action. For Oklahoma and beyond, stay safe and keep striving. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. While Blaine and I were recording our Skills to Rebuild story, I was able to sit down one-on-one with Lyndall Fields, Tri-County Superintendent and CEO, to talk about the impact COVID-19 has had on the Tech Center and the direction he believes skills-based learning is heading. One of the hallmarks of career and technology education is the hands-on skill training. Absolutely. None of us know what the future holds, especially when it comes to COVID-19. If we find ourselves having difficulty being in the classroom, how do you do online training when hands-on are so, is so important? Well, I think that's the challenge we're all facing. So if you'll go back with me to uh, spring break, middle of March. Our, our entire school was in one of our superintendent forms and this was all starting to come down and we had a conversation about we don't know what's going to happen after spring break but I know this it's a work day for us the Monday after spring break we made that decision I said we might be on campus or we might be working from home but we have programs to get ready and the Monday after spring break our nursing program was up and running virtually now, um, we weren't great at it, uh, but we were up and running, and, and then folks started to uh, be flexible. The Board of Nursing, okay, we can use some of these hours for clinical space. And technology uh, provides so many opportunities. Does it replace hands-on? No. Learners want to be hands-on. Can it help for a moment in time? Sure. Can we take some of our programs completely online? Yes, yes we can and we'll do some of that. Um, but by and large, career and technology education is about hands-on. And candidly, if, if, we don't, if we're not hands-on training machinists, can businesses be open? They, they, businesses, machinists, they can't do their stuff virtually. They need people on the ground. So we've got, we've got to take the lead, I believe, in education to get people on the ground and trained. And, at least right now, if we're careful, we can be safe about it, spread people out, and uh, where there's a will, there's a way. So virtual, I think, will become part of um, who we are. But you know, 
I think fundamentally, um, when you try to be everything to everybody, you can't be anything to anybody. So what we have to focus on is what we can be the very best at. And virtual learning may not be what we can be the best at. Uh, K-12 schools, virtual learning, well, you know, that's, that's not what they're good at. And um, we just need to figure out what we can be the best at. And if we can't be the best, perhaps partnerships might be a, a way to um, innovate. And so just one more point about that. Um, as we looked at who our core customers are, it's our students. Our students are our customers. We have a very robust business at Tri-County for events and hospitality. People have their meetings here. Uh, it's not uncommon for 500 to 1,000 people to be on our campus every day for an event, a, uh, a program, a, a dinner, whatever. So we made the decision to uh, postpone all of those events. Just that move alone, it hurt us a little bit financially, but it freed up space that we could use for our students. So if you come in our building today, the front doors, the event space is typically a, a lunch and learn for um, a business in the community. Today you'll see our nursing students spread out in what's normally 200 people. We have 30 or so in that space. So got in the weeds with you a little bit there to tell you how we've technically been able to, to make it work. So. so you've spent three decades thinking about education, talking about education. Do you see anything that's happened in the past six months in any way changing that paradigm of how we educate? Well, in, in terms of how we educate, sure. Is it, are things going to go back to way, the way they were? Who knows, right? I, I think we've learned that things probably need to be done a little bit differently. Will it fundamentally change education? Well, I think we're seeing that in, in some of the higher ed markets that uh, people feel like they can learn more online, that they... Uh, uh, can get the education they need without maybe being in a brick and mortar. So I think all of us in education have to be open to the idea of um, meeting the learner where they are, more individual type learning, um, maybe not the one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach. So yes, I think we need to, to be open to that idea. But for career and technology education, there's never been a time at least in my career, where it's been more important for career tech to take the lead, to double down on our efforts. It's incumbent upon career tech in Oklahoma to train the workforce. Education might change, but there's always going to be a need for workers. And when you consider what we were originally founded for, that was to provide a workforce to the business community. And we can change the mission statements or vision statements, but our job is to, to get people trained up. There's always going to be a need for nurses, CNAs, LPNs, welders, plumbers. Uh, take, you're not going to build a house virtually. Maybe you can, but you see what I'm saying, at least not in the immediate future. So yeah, the way we teach is going to change a little bit, uh, but uh, what we're here to do, I think, still remains the same. 
So Rob, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Very true. But you know, flexibility has been a part of education for eons. You know, Lyndall took us around from classroom to classroom, just seeing how they were reacting to the pandemic. A lot of social distancing, everyone had masks on, wasn't a big deal in the healthcare fields because they're always wearing masks anyway. But even in some of their traditional classrooms, everyone is masked up and grouped in, in away from each other. But I thought it the most interesting when we went into the welding class and talked to that instructor. Oh, yeah. Scott Sutherland. Yeah, great guy. And there he has the students. Well, let's let him explain it. Well, in the classroom, we're, we're practicing social distancing, trying to keep everybody at least six feet apart. They all, they all have to wear their masks while they're in the classroom. I have first years in the, in the classroom, and I have the second years out in the shop in a makeshift classroom doing the same thing. As When the students weld, they have to be able to take their mask off because they're not fire retardant. As soon as they finish welding, they put their masks back on. In the same way, we're doing the social distancing, trying to stay away from one another. And I don't know about you, Blaine, but I was really impressed with all of the instructors and the links that they were going just to make sure school stays in session. And to keep everyone safe. Yeah, exactly, Blaine. And also, I want to say a big thank you to Tanya Foreman, who set all this up. Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by Career Tech. Keep striving. We do hands-on in the classroom before we go into the patient setting. So we have high fidelity simulation, so that prepares them, kind of gets their foot in the door on how to do certain skills like starting IVs, putting down NG tubes, any of the things that they'll need to do in the hospital. They get to try it on a mannequin first and have our feedback, and then they get to go and do that in the clinical setting in a hospital. My favorite part about being a teacher is being able to instill the values and show good technique to my students and watch them evolve in that position. My students learn how to do all of the skill sets that would be required in the field of practical nursing. You're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. It's very versatile. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. To say that the last several months have been different is a definite understatement. And such change and uncertainty can be stressful. That's why I asked Career Tech's diversity specialist and trained cognitive psychologist Stephen Aragon to join me over the phone to talk about coping skills and how to navigate this time that's anything but normal. As we head back into work, and school, a lot of people heading back to their quote-unquote normal lives, there's also a good deal of uncertainty about what the future holds. So what coping mechanisms do you recommend for the anxiety people may understandably feel right now? The main thing that we need to do um, is always ensure that we have accurate information. Uh, we have to remember that uncertainty comes as a result of not having good information or not having any information at all. So the more information and, again, the more accurate, scientifically based information you can have um, is going to help with that uncertainty. 
It may not necessarily mean that it always paints the rosiest of pictures, but at least knowing the facts and knowing what's accurate and knowing what's not accurate uh, will help us in that uncertainty. So just taking the time to, to use a school term, do your homework on these things. Correct. So that's another good point. So it's also not about uh, looking something up on the computer, but just because we see it in one place, we, we want to continue doing that research to ensure that um, that the message is consistent. Because especially in these days of doing research and, and science on um, this particular virus, Things are changing, and, and that should be happening, but it doesn't mean that one source is necessarily wrong and the other is right or one's a bad source. But if we can kind of start seeing a general consistent consistency, you know, possibly across, you know, Mayo Clinic, um, the Centers for Disease Control, OU Medicine, or whatever those are, it's going to bring a little bit more clarity and with that will be some reduce reduction of the uncertainty so yes the fact that you said we need to be doing our research um, is really important so not only doing the research but making sure that we we get enough to draw um, good conclusions what about for those with children what if they're feeling uncertain perhaps afraid for whatever their situation might be whether it is going to school or whether it is uh a distance learning? Well, I think one of the, the most important things that we not do is be dismissive. Um, you know, kids are smart. Kids are intelligent. They ask questions for a reason. They have the same fears and feelings and emotions as we do. I think the second piece then is to kind of figure out why they're asking it or figuring out where that fear is coming from. You know, I would recommend first asking them, well, well, why are you asking me that? You know, it could be that they had a friend who heard their, you know, their grandmother or aunt died of it, or it could simply be because they're kind of interested in it and they're inquiring about it. And based on those responses, it will allow you to decide what's the best response for it. Always make sure that they, you know, they know that they can come to you. So, you know, you may address the question they brought to you today and say, hey, you know, make sure that when you have other questions or you you see something or you're feeling something else about this, again, whether it's distance learning, COVID or that math exam or whatever it may be, that you come to me so we can, can talk about this. So, yeah, it just sounds like... Uh... Just be a good supportive parent, no matter what uh, situation we may find ourselves in today, tomorrow, or next week. Right. And, you know, there are things that you can do today. I mean, again, since since kind of the COVID is the big thing right now, and they're really concerned about that, and I think you acknowledge that, but then you can quickly switch over to saying, hey, but, you know, there are many things that we can do to make sure that we stay safe. And you can talk about hand washing. You can go wash your hands together in the restroom. You can talk, you know, squirt, um, you know, a drop of, of hand sanitizer in their hands and say, hey, show me how you're going to use this if your teacher comes around and put some of this in your hand. Show me how good you can do it. 
you know, one of the things that that um, I've encouraged parents to do, if you want more of a little bit of a demonstration, is take a can of co- cooking spray and go outside and talk, you know, show how aerosols work and, and make that connection that, you know, when we speak, you know, something like, droplets come out of our mouths they're they're much smaller and and ask your child you know what happens how do you keep prevent this from getting on you when i spray and they could say for example hopefully you know i step back and you say yeah that's exactly right and that's why we want to make sure that we stay apart from people right now just so we don't get germs or you could then go on and say you know what could be other ways and and talk about those and then bring up the 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 face covering the mask idea and say hey what happens if i put uh, a mask here and i spray and so there are ways again depending you know to make it fun to take the fear out of it to show you know kids that they really do have some control like showing them hey you really can do some things that will keep you healthy So there are always ways to address it. And again, I just say, as I would, you know, for an adult, give good information, because if we've got good, correct information, we're less likely to have anxiety. Well, Stephen Aragon, thank you for giving us some good information here today. (laughs) Well, you are very welcome. It's my pleasure. As we wrap up this edition of CareerTech Horizon, a few final thoughts. Historically, pandemics have changed not only how we live, but even where we live. And COVID-19 is no different. And in some ways, thanks to technology, even more so. For the past decade, business has embraced the open office concept, where not only are there no walls, there's not even any cubicles. With current CDC guidelines, that seems almost impossible to staff today. But even after things hopefully get back to some sort of normal, many people's workspace will never be the same. What we've learned with teleworking is that while video conferences are not the same as in-office interaction, telework does keep the wheels of commerce turning. Such lessons even extend to education. Why have a snow day when class can be held online come rain or shine? And with virtual this or that now normalized, will industry spend the money for travel and office space ever again? And such transformation will undoubtedly alter not just how we live, but where we live. For generations, people have tried to reside as close to work as possible to cut down on commute time. But as more people work from home, will it matter if they're five miles from the office or 500? And while some will certainly try to recreate the status quo post-pandemic, others will seize the moment. And if history is any indication, it will be those innovators that will own tomorrow. Thank you so very much for listening. If you like this show, be sure to leave us a good review and rating on your favorite podcast app. And especially if you're listening to us on Spotify today, be sure to share this episode with a friend or several friends. 
If you've got to spread something right now, spread your favorite podcast. <laughs> and if you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on social media. Look for Career Tech Horizon on Facebook and Twitter. Also, you can find show notes and links to further reading on our website, cthorizon.org. Career Tech Horizon is a production of the Oklahoma Department of Career and Technology Education and is produced by me, Blaine Singletary. And me, Rob McClendon, with additional help from Connie Romans. And a very special thanks to Christy Morrison at Visit Stillwater for lending us a socially distant space to record today's episode. With that, we'll wrap up this episode. And we'll see you next time on Your Horizon.